So it's New Year's Eve. Tonight, the Times Square ball will rise. People will watch all over the world. Glasses will clink. Noisemakers will sing out the chaotic sound of recreation taking place. And poof, we will turn the page and we'll be in a new year. Of course, the celebration doesn't have to be tonight. It could be any night, really. I mean, we could mark that spot anywhere we want to, but this is the night that we do that in this part of the world. And we've developed rituals around this holiday of reflecting on our lives and consciously pondering what we would want to preserve about this year that's passing away and what we would like to be different in the new year that's coming. Often we make resolutions, but that's a different sermon. <laughs> One thing is for sure, that the year will be a mixture. Every year we'll have joys and sorrows, and we always wish for more joys. But every year has tragedies and has miracles. It has hopes and disappointments. And 2018 will certainly follow this pattern as well. In my life, it's hard for me to remember another year when so many people wished that major things had gone differently. And part of that we know is politics, which has played a huge role in uh, the way we feel about things. In this country, the current regime seems uh, difficult for many people, and not without good reason that that would be felt that way. And there's been increased stress, I think, over that in our culture. To many people, it seems like the Grinch has taken control of the country, and we don't know what to do about it. Although undoubtedly some Americans like the new regime, it's also true that uh, most liberals, most UUs, and most people around the world are worried about the state of our country and think that we're not in good shape. At the very least, it has been stressful. At times ridiculous, at times dangerous, at times striking fear into our hearts, but good things have happened in this year as well, as they always do. Uh, the former president, uh, Obama, did something on Twitter about sharing inspirational stories. Um, he's not running for anything. I'm not endorsing him for anything. But listen to three of the stories. A wedding couple who transformed their postponed wedding into a Hurricane Harvey victim relief effort. An NFL player, you know, there are 16 games in a football season, and this NFL player said he would give up his pay from the first six games, which is 
a lot of money, <laughs> to fund scholarships for students in Charlottesville. <clears throat> and then when he got done with the first six games, he said he felt so good about it, he decided to give up the pay from all the rest of the games as well to launch a new organization called Pledge 10 for Tomorrow to support equity and education for students in St. Louis, Boston, and Philadelphia. And then another story of a 10-year-old boy in Chicago who started a movement to give blessing bags, which are bags filled with socks, toiletries, and snacks to homeless people in Chicago. He reached, this 10-year-old boy reached his personal goal to give away 5,000 blessing bags. So there are all kinds of ways to respond to difficult times. Many of them are wonderful, heartwarming stories. So I don't know that we all need to do something heroic in the face of deeply felt need, but I do think we need to at least feel the needs in our society, to know that they exist, and feel compassion for the suffering in the world, including our own suffering sometimes. We are also some of the people who need caring. And it's actually not responsible for us to neglect our own care in the new year. Whatever our own personal combination of self-care is, which might include things like spending time with friends, generosity, exercise, spiritual practice, intellectual stimulation, music, art, maybe professional care of some type that we need, maybe presence in a healing community such as this, whatever our combination of healing factors is for us, we need to bring them to the fore, as we always do, but in stressful times, even more, we need to do that. We need to care for our own well-being, and the turning of the year is often a time to review our self-care plan. And if you say, well, I don't need that, well, you do, you do actually. I do, anyway. And I went out yesterday in the late afternoon in the intense cold and went to the Riverplex and did my walking. And I felt so virtuous after that. I just thought, boy, I am a really good person. And that is one of the benefits of your self-care plan is that when you do those things, you will think, I am really a pretty great person. Look, look at what I'm doing that's so good. So go for it. We should not fall into the trap of thinking that that is selfish. It's not selfish. It's creating strength in ourselves, and you might think of it as strength to help others if you want. If we want to be strong, supporters of love and justice, we need to keep in shape mentally, physically, and emotionally, and spiritually. I did a list of 20 things in the builder um, 
about a month ago, and I, I'm going to put that list out. I meant to do it before the service, but I will get it out on the connections table. might be helpful to someone. Now, there may be times in history when it works fine simply to tend our own gardens and be nice to all the people around us, and maybe that even works right now. As a matter of fact, it's a good baseline place to be. But the other thing that's true right now is that we do live in extraordinary times. And our world faces multiple dangers, many of which are quite serious. And I know you know about all these things, so I'm not going to list them off for you. Because you know that. But I will say this, that I do not think 2018 is a year to sit on the sidelines. And as a matter of fact, the Journal Star ran that very editorial this morning when I picked up the paper. That was the editorial in the Journal Star, that this is not a year to sit and watch. So I want to throw that out to you. Climate change is real, racial discrimination, white supremacy are real, mean-spirited intentional inequality is real, and as well as unintentional failure to notice inequality. The current threat to our democratic institutions is real. These are real. Even this wonderful country, the home of the brave, the land of the free, is not immune to the possibility of losing our democratic way of life. We are not immune to that. This year we read a wonderful book called On Tyranny that argued that point pretty strong. So, as I have said before, my ambition in life is to sit in cafes and drink lattes and read books. Preferably in places like Paris or Barcelona, but really anywhere will do. This is not going to be the year for that. I'll get my lattes and my breaks, but we're going to have to be active, I believe, this year. We do not all need to be heroes. It's not practical and it's not necessary. But really, we all need to do something. Not instead of our self-care, but in addition to our self-care, which we need to be devoted to. But we also need to extend ourselves outward in the direction of beauty, truth, love, and justice, which are all under attack as we enter 2018. There is a movement in our country right now, I believe and perceive, to bring to birth a new renaissance in this country. I can feel that. This renaissance is multidimensional. It is about justice for everyone, meaning things like equal treatment for all people in the criminal justice system, an end to mass incarceration, 
new standards of policing that honor our police officers, but also demand that racial disparities and violent measures be used as a last resort, that racial disparities end and violent measures be used as a last resort. It is about equal economic opportunity for all in its many dimensions. Now let me tell you something about equal economic justice in our country. <clears throat> I, some of you have undoubtedly seen this because PBS is doing a series on uh, racial justice in Boston. So apparently Boston has a reputation as being <clears throat> a racist environment. So they're doing a six-part series. You can Google it on PBS. The most, I mean, if you can't trust PBS, then that's another problem. <laughs> but I think you can, and it's in the Boston Globe. You can Google it on the Boston Globe, too, the thing I'm about to tell you, okay? This is just one of many statistics they found out. All right. Uh, if you know the answer, don't yell it out. You ruin my dramatic effect. The net worth of a white household in Boston, the average net worth, all the bank accounts and everything, you know, minus all that you owe everybody, is your net worth. So the average net worth of a white family in Boston is $247,500. is the average net worth of a white household in Boston. Now I'm going to tell you the net worth of the average African-American household in Boston. Eight dollars. Eight dollars. This is not a joke. As a matter of fact, when I heard uh, the commentator announced it on the air, they said the Boston Globe printed this number and they got letters and calls and saying you've made them, you've got a typo. So the net worth of an African American family in Boston is essentially zero. Or if you prefer, eight dollars. So what this means so many things, but it means we have to think about how economic inequality works in our culture. We have to think about that. This is an interesting case, too, where class issues and race issues intersect. And part of the new way of looking at things in our country now is to see how issues intersect. And so sexism may intersect with racism and classism in a particular household or particular life to produce a multi-dimensional kind of challenge. Anyway, we've got a lot to think about. And, you know, we had two wonderful commentaries in the paper a day or two ago by church members, and one of them said it beautifully that the tax bill that was just passed. Now, the, here's, here's the problem already, 247.5 versus 8. Well, it's clear from all analysis that what that will do is it'll make that worse. 
It, and it's intended to make it worse. That's, that's the way it works. So we have so much to think about and so much to ponder how we are going to respond to that. And are we going to be a compassionate society? Are we going to see health care as a basic human right? So we need a renaissance of compassion. But the renaissance is coming. The renaissance is coming. And if we want to live in a democratic society, we're going to have to be very careful to protect those traditions and institutions that define us as a democracy. And voting rights is one of those. And another of our church members had a fantastic piece in the Journal Star on voting rights. Look at the last three days of columns in the Journal Star. The UUs are all over the place, by the way. We have a situation in our country where candidates that identify with hate groups, even judges who identify with hate groups, are seen as normal by some Americans. And the press is treated as a treacherous enemy, even though in reality it's a crucial check on tyranny. But you know these things already. So. It would be lovely just to drink our lattes and read wonderful books and listen to great music. And I plan to do a lot of that in the new year because I need that to refresh my soul and to feel the beauty of life and how wonderful life is. But it will not be enough in this particular year. We're going to have to, I think, make a stand for a life of justice, compassion, and beauty and love if that is the life we want. We're going to have to make a stand. I think when I was a kid growing up in America, it never occurred to me that democracy was in any kind of trouble. It was just reality. You know, you vote, people get mad at each other, and then they vote, and then they sort of make friends, and we all move on, and the voting is always fair. It never occurred to me that the voting wasn't fair. I, I believed in it. I still do believe in it, but now other, I see other things when I look. The Renaissance will not come without our effort. It won't happen by itself. It won't happen the way I thought it would happen when I was a kid, that I didn't really have to do anything. It was all being taken care of. But that's not true, I don't think, at the moment. So we may already love our neighbor, but we may have to speak up for our neighbor. We may have to vote and march to protect our neighbors' civil rights. It would be wonderful if we could just assume that this is all going to be taken care of. But we do not live in those days right now, and this is a different world. So I really feel that 2018 is going to be a renaissance year. I feel energy and commitment in the air. 
Every year is a new chance and a new opportunity, but it is also true that we need to make it happen, both in our private lives and our public lives. If I don't get up and go to the Riverplex, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. I have to do it. I have to get out there. If I want to get in better physical shape, I have to go make effort. And if we want to live in a land where truth, justice, and every person are valued, then we have to create that kind of land. We have to do it. And there are all different kinds of ways to participate, not any one thing that everybody has to do. We all have to care. And we all have to do something. So in these past few weeks, we've reiterated the theme of the warmth and the light of the candles in cold and dark times. Hanukkah, solstice, Christmas, and Kwanzaa all repeat this theme. That there is light and warmth and community and reasons to hope, reasons to feel optimistic, opportunities for renewal are there before us. We light the candles and that's what the candles say. That even in tough times, even when it's cold outside, there is warmth in our community and everyone is welcome to enjoy that warmth and light, but we have to create that safe space and protect it. We have to make that happen. We have to help bend the arc of the moral universe toward justice. We have to follow the path of love and not those who teach fear and hatred. This is our work to do. The good news, the wondrous news, is that we can do this. We are capable of doing this. A new year is beginning, a new page is turning, a new chapter is being written. There is a groundswell of support, of desire for a generous, fair, compassionate, intelligent, and caring community where everyone is respected and everyone is welcome. There is a wave of concern about this. The Renaissance is already in motion and it's gathering steam. There are dozens of ways to participate. The candles are lit. The meetings are scheduled. The songs are being sung. And people everywhere are crying out for change. It is all of our jobs to make this new year the renaissance we long for. And it can be done. The new year is a precious gift waiting to be realized. Let each of us do our part both individually and together as a community, to make this noble, wonderful vision come true. Happy New Year.